Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us, and, and as always, thanks for letting us be part of your day. We're going to talk with the chief economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation, John Newton, today. His thoughts on the market facilitation program payments and the ag economy overall. We'll talk markets with Steve Nicholson with Robo AgriFinance and preview not only the Farm Progress Show coming up next month, but Coming up in September, Husker Harvest Days. We'll preview that show as well with Matt Youngman. All that coming up on today's program. But first, let's see what's going on in the news. We check in with DTN's Todd Neely. Todd, thank you for being with us. Uh, This is a week for more talks between the U.S. and China. Uh, Unlike some of the talks in the past where uh, the level, the bar for Uh, Hope and uh, anticipation was set pretty high. If you look at the comments flying back and forth between President Trump and some of the Chinese leadership, it seems they're trying to lower expectations on this round. Yeah, certainly, Mike. Uh, You know, I think uh, it's interesting to see agriculture at the center of this. You know, the president keeps tweeting out how uh, China hasn't met up to its end of the deal when it comes to buying ag products. Um, Not really sure what that deal was necessarily, but uh, it certainly reveals the tension that's continuing to, on, to go on. And I think um, just the fact that they're talking again, I think that's a good thing. Um, you know, whether it actually is going to reveal anything new or anything uh, groundbreaking is another story. But like I said, just to have that, you know, at least out there that the president and China and, and, and everybody's talking again, I think uh, at least moves the needle somewhat. Those trade talks, as we all know, are, are critically uh, important to so many different areas, one of them being the ethanol industry, which is really struggling right now and really needs right. uh, a export market in China. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. You know, um, we're seeing a downturn in production across the country, uh, you know, in response to the concerns about corn supply, uh, concerns about corn price, ethanol price. Um so we're at a point here, uh, you know, it's not necessarily at a critical juncture yet, uh, but we're seeing kind of plants dial back their production, <clears throat> excuse me, and um, there's a lot of talk about what to do going forward. I know in the next year, you know, there's some thought if things don't change with China, uh, perhaps we're going to have to see quite a bit of ethanol production come off, uh, come offline just to account, you know, for the market dynamics. Um and so, yeah, it, it is critical. I think, uh, you know, if we can get a deal with China that includes opening up that market for ethanol, you know, China was was on track to just be in a, in a tremendous market for ethanol exports. And uh, at this point in the industry, I, I think that's really the the, the thing that, that could change the game a little bit. You know, we still hear about the effects of the small refinery exemptions uh, and a number of things, you know, the crop conditions, all these things that ethanol plants look at. Um, and really, China is kind of the wild card in all of this. You know, if there's a, an agreement that can be struck, that certainly would uh, would help turn the tide in ethanol. We will soon know about the, the latest round of small refinery exemptions, right, uh, here maybe in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think so. You know, uh, Andrew Wheeler, EPA's administrator, was in Pennsylvania yesterday touring a refinery. And one of the things that came out of that visit is that he expects to make some sort of a determination on what are essentially 38 pending uh, requests for waivers. Um, already, the EPA is late on on issuing a, a decision on those waivers. And so maybe the thought here is that in the next few weeks, we may have some conclusion um, as to the review that USDA and EPA are involved in looking at that program. You know, the president had uh, had told those agencies to work on this and, and look at what they might be able to do to to, to rectify it between both oil and ethanol. Um, and so that would indicate to me that probably in the next within the next month uh, we might know something about uh, what the two agencies have come up come up with on that. That battle, that tug of war uh, seems to be getting bigger rather than smaller. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, and I and I think you know as it as it plays out, we're seeing both sides uh, really trying to draw the attention of EPA and the administration, uh, trying to get their voices in. Um, you know, last Friday, RFA had put out a letter. Uh, they'd sent a letter to Wheeler requesting that he come visit an ethanol plant and tour an ethanol plant. You know, he was uh, here in Council Bluffs when the president came to visit, but he never really went on the tour with the president or, uh, you know, members of the industry. And um, I think, you know, as you talk about that back and forth between refiners and ethanol, uh, certainly the ethanol people want to have their want to have uh, their voices heard from Wheeler as well. And so whether he actually takes them up on that offer or not, well, I guess we'll wait and see. Meanwhile, let's go to ag in the courtroom, uh, a federal judge reducing that big award in a roundup verdict, uh, taking it from $2 billion down to $87 million. Uh, that's certainly a story to watch because there are a lot of, uh, a lot of cases still pending on that. Yeah, Mike, you know, and it seems to keep growing. Um, you know, Bayer on Tuesday had announced that um, the number of cases that they've had filed against them on roundup is up to 18400 uh, if you think back on it, when the last time we heard a number from the company on, you know, the number of cases out there, it was 13,400, and that was back in April. Um, it's obviously hitting the company, uh, you know, not just uh, in the pocketbook, but in the public, you know, public sphere on, on the impression that they give out to the public. And I think, um, you know, one of the things going forward, I think uh, Bear's probably going to have to to look at some sort of a class action settlement on this on this situation. That's a a large number of cases, uh, but so far to this point, we've seen Bayer stand by the product and it continues to, to say that it's safe, and uh, at this point, they're really not giving any indication that they're, that they're willing to step away from, from the legal fight at this point. So we'll continue to watch that, and meanwhile, we're watching the this year's crops and uh, the numbers uh, coming out yesterday, again, uh, showing us just how far behind this year's crop is compared to average. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've seen uh, in terms of quality and, and, and the stage that the crop should be at right now, um, you know, corn and soybeans, for example, uh, you know, in the good to excellent category, uh, it was up 1% from last week, which is up to 58%, but normally, uh, you know, we're up into the 70s by now. And so this is uh, in terms of quality and quantity, and there's just a lot of questions about it. And um uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see going forward what, uh, what this does to the actual market. Um, there hasn't been a whole lot of reactions here recently to that, but I, I think, um, you know, as we get closer and closer to fall, this is going to be a, a big, important number. be a lot of attention on that August 12th crop report coming up. Absolutely, yeah, and I think whatever numbers come from that, I think is going to, um, you know, it's probably not going to surprise anybody either way, but... Um, I would say as we continue to look forward, I think, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing some historically uh, low numbers, and, and I think, uh, you know, it'll just be interesting to see how the market reacts and where we go from here. All right, Todd, good to talk with you. Thanks a lot. All right, thank you, Mike. Take care. DTN reporter Todd Neely. Well, we'll talk about the market facilitation program payments, uh, the crop conditions and crop projections, and the ag economy, all coming up next with John Newton, Chief Economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Stay with us on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you, and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. 
recently on Adams on Agriculture. And let's talk weather with DTM meteorologist Mike Pomerino. Mike, that was quite a heat wave that rolled across the country. It was. It, uh, you know, clearly if you're going to get something like this, it's going to happen in midsummer, and uh, it did. And, you know, with all that moisture we've seen uh, during the spring, uh, it just brought those humidity levels just through the roof. So pretty tough to take, but fortunately it is now in the past. Yeah, what's on the backside now of that heat wave? We have an outstanding week of weather with uh, temperatures at or somewhat below normal and uh, quite a bit of sunshine. Uh, really not much in the way of any rain this week. Uh, should be a, a, a good week for crop growth uh, in the Midwest, and uh, Lord knows they need it. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. One eighty over one eleven, and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. One forty-five over ninety-two, and then I had a heart attack. One hundred and eighty-two over a hundred, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it, or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. I had to tell. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back to Adams on Agriculture. We're very happy to have with us John Newton, Chief Economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. John, thank you for being with us. As you've had a chance to look at the market facilitation program uh, payments and the payment rates around the country, what stands out to you as you as you look at those and how they broke down and the formula that's, uh, that USDA has used to come up with these payments? Well, I think what we know is that the, the MFP payments are going to range from a minimum of $15 uh, to as much as $150 per acre. The first round of payments are going to be made at 50% of the announced payment rate, so uh, either $15 or 50% of that payment rate. And looking across the country, you can see some of those payment rates are higher uh, in some of the southern counties. Uh, really looks like it aligns with uh, places where you have some irrigated ground or maybe some double crop ground uh, is where you see those payment rates the highest. Uh, but we haven't yet seen uh, USDA's exact methodology for how they came up with these rates. I think everybody's interested to see that soon. Yeah, looking for those details. But just the 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 overall model of going with the county payment rates uh, as opposed to the way they did it the, the first time, what do you think of that? Well, I think, you know, when they announced that they were going to do this program, it was in the middle of uh, planning season. It was in the middle of a historically delayed planning season. Uh, and they're, they were trying to not influence planting decisions. So uh, by announcing a, a county rate, uh, you don't incentivize a grower to plant one particular commodity uh, versus another. It's just going to be based on that county rate. So I think what they were intending to do, not distort planting decision, is, is uh, accomplished by announcing uh, a county-based rate. And it's probably going to be a little bit more equitable across the country uh, then the first round of payments that saw soybeans collect, you know, 83% of the $8.5 billion that were paid out. What do you think of going 50% on this first round? Uh, I, I think some thought maybe it would be a third, a third, and a third, but uh, going 50% the first uh, the first round, what about that? Well, I think it's definitely going to provide some, some much-needed financial relief to, to farmers across the country. In their pockets quickly, I know with the sign-up, uh, is now open, and I think it stays open until you know, growers have an opportunity uh, to get in. Dairy farmers are going to have an opportunity to get in, hog farmers, uh, and then all sorts of specialty crops are also going to have an opportunity to get in. And, and it's going to provide some much-needed relief 
uh, much better than doing a third, a third, a third. Let's talk about uh, for dairy uh, the twenty cents per hundred weight. You've you've broken that down. Uh, uh, looks like uh, California will receive the most on that, right? Yeah. So what I did was we we know that the dairy's going to get twenty cents a hundred weight. I, I think uh, we're starting to hear that the first round of payments there is going to be about ten cents a hundred weight. And it's based on a farm's production history that was established under uh, the 2014 Farm Bill's Margin Protection Program and now with dairy margin coverage. Uh, so using that production history data from USDA's Farm Service Agency, uh, it looks like California, uh, if all payments are made, eligible to get uh, somewhere around 78 to $80 million in, in market facilitation program payments. Wisconsin's right behind them at nearly $50 million. Uh, followed by Idaho at 27, Texas, and New York at 21 each. Certainly this will help uh, a dairy uh, economy that has been struggling, although there are some signs that uh, may be uh, better times ahead for the dairy industry. Well, it, it's certainly going to help uh, the dairy economy. The other thing that's going to help the, the dairy economy is the, the dairy margin coverage enrollment. Uh, we know today that we've got about 50% of the dairy operations enrolled, uh, total payments made thus far are 158 million to the you know potential for 300 under market facilitation program. We're looking at half a billion dollars in government support to dairy, uh, and then we're also seeing milk prices rise uh, across the. I think combined uh, makes for a much more favorable outlook for for dairy farmers uh, moving forward. We're talking with John Newton, Chief Economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. John, I want to switch over to crop production. Just uh, crop condition numbers and see, as we know, we're still behind, even though there have been there has been some improvement in some areas. We're still overall behind where we would normally be. I think right now we're at 58% on the corn crop, 58% corn crop good to excellent. Uh, that's up 1% from what we saw last week, but it is about... Uh, 13% below, percentage points below uh, the five-year average. It, it's really tough out there across the Corn Belt. Uh, but I think what we've seen is more favorable growing conditions. Uh, and there's a whole lot of uncertainty on you know what the harvested acres are going to be and what the crop size is. Uncertain on, on actually where corn prices are, are going to end up this year. Uh, we were at nearly four. June acreage report. I think now we're floating around 4:30. A lot of uncertainty in the market on, on what this corn crop is going to be. A lot of attention that will be paid to this August 12th crop report. That'll be more about acres. That'll tell us more about acres, right, than actual production. Yeah, it'll give us acreage, and then you know people are going to have their yield estimates. So they're going to take those the acres. They're going to take uh, harvested area. Uh, they're going to take yield and, and start to derive and put together a balance sheet for, for this new crop corn, and, and that's really going to drive uh, price expectations. Most folks are also uh, prevented plant. I'm hearing estimates anywhere between 12 and 15 million acres of prevent plant this year. That's, that would be a record. Uh, RMA came out and said they've made uh, about $435 million in prevent plant claims so far. So I think there's a lot of eyes on, on this August report, but there's still a lot of uncertainty throughout the remainder of the growing season. But now we'll start getting into uh, those private projections. The, the, so there'll be a lot of numbers starting to float around here in the next few weeks. Uh, there certainly will, and I think, you know, you're, you know because there's so much uncertainty, uh, there's a lot of people that are starting to do, you know, some, some crop tours on their own. Uh, starting to send in evaluations on what the fields look like when they're, you know, driving from, say, uh, Illinois to Indiana, trying to provide some type of information uh, to the market. I think the other big concern out there is, uh, is the potential for an early frost uh, and what that could ultimately do. So there's a lot of uncertainty uh, around the country. Though we came into this year knowing we had a lot of soybeans, a lot of questions about the production this year, but even if it's down, Will it be down enough to make a big change uh, for the soybean? You know the the other the other shoe on the soybean that needs to drop is, is China needs to come back and, and start buying some products. And, and I think the challenge there uh, is twofold. It's not necessarily just getting the trade uh, situation resolved. Uh, they've had a pretty devastating effort. They do come back to the table. 
uh, it's going to be a different customer than what we're used to. So we're going to need to move through these these old crop soybeans uh, and the new crop soybeans. I, I think we're a, a long way from being anywhere near a bullish territory on soybeans. And we uh, we know in the tough times for ethanol and biodiesel, and uh, really a, a critical time those industries moving forward they very much especially the ethanol industry needs to see something done with china to start exporting more ethanol yeah i I think that's you know when you look at the the ethanol industry uh, and you think back a decade ago the number of automobiles and gasoline consumption in the u.s was that it would continue to rise and now today we're looking at projections uh, because of you know electric cars electric vehicles uh, gasoline consumption starting to fall, and so that takes that blend wall that we had and moves it really far forward. Uh, and so you have to start looking at the the export market. You have to start looking at China. Uh, you think about you know the potential of, of you know 1.2, 1.3 billion people uh, using ethanol in their gasoline supply, and, and what that could mean for us. Uh, I, I think that's where the ethanol has has wisely started to pivot, is, is looking at those export markets. And so China's very key. John, as we sit here at the end of July, uh, what's your assessment of the uh, the state of the ag economy right now? Well, in, in March, USDA projected that farm, net farm income would be about uh, $69 billion. That That was up uh, 10% from their 2018 estimate. I think when you look... And what we've seen now this year, uh, two direct payment programs in the form of trade and disaster aid. Uh, we look at the rally that we've seen in corn. We look at what's happened in, in pork markets. Uh, I, I, I do project that we're going to see net farm uh, neighborhood of, of 75 to $80 billion, if not higher, uh, if these weather events uh, stay where they are. If, if the weather improves and, and these commodity prices get weaker, uh, that farm income projection could be a, a little bit lower uh, but but I think things are, are definitely uh, improving on the back of the short crop that we're anticipating uh, this year as well as the direct payments. Keep in mind, however, that the net return, the average return on assets across agriculture, Mike, has been uh, less than 2% for, for five consecutive years. So one good year certainly doesn't, doesn't get us out of the hole. We need a few more uh, better years to agriculture out of the doldrums. That's John Newton, Chief Economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Thanks, John. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. All right. We'll talk markets next with Steve Nicholson with Bravo AgriFinance. Stay with us on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. Adams on Agriculture, coming right up. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Bad theater seats, cheap Halloween masks, my apartment, all things with obstructed views. Add to these large trucks and buses. 18-wheelers and large buses have big blind spots, and like my apartment, they don't always have the best view. Bus and truck drivers deal with blind spots around the entire vehicle. Always take care not to ride alongside or too close behind them. Our roads, our safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Chinese and U.S. negotiators resuming trade talks. The U.S. team, led by U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer and Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin, gathered for dinner Tuesday with the Chinese side. A more formal round of talks scheduled to take place at a government guest house in the west of the city on Wednesday. President Trump playing down the prospects of reaching a trade deal with China and warned that if he wins a second term, the terms of an agreement would be much tougher. Grain futures dropped in the overnight trade. October hog futures finished the trading session yesterday 3.8% lower. Monday's crop condition numbers doing little to move the needle on this Tuesday. Corn silking at 58% complete. 
That compares to the five-year average of 83. Soybeans setting pods at 21%, five-year average 45. Soybean futures, an hour into the trading day, November down nine at 895 and a quarter. December corn at 421 and three quarters, down five and a quarter. Chicago wheat September down seven at 496 and a half. Kansas City September down five and three quarters at 430 and three quarters of a cent. Minneapolis spring wheat September down three and a quarter at 529 and a quarter. Livestock at the Merck, more losses in lean hog futures. October down two dollars and two cents, seventy-four forty-two. Live cattle, August down ninety-five, one oh seven seventy. Feeder cattle August down eighty-seven at one forty-one forty-two. The Dow down fifty. Crude oil in New York up twenty-three cents. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, Okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. And we're joined now by grain and oil seeds analyst for Rombo Agrofinance, Steve Nicholson, who's a hard guy to catch these days. You're on the road a lot. I am on the road. Good morning, Mike. Yes, I have been on the road a lot. I've got, uh, I will be out uh, Western Corn Belt in a couple of weeks, so, or far Western Corn Belt, probably put it that way. So, yes, we've seen a lot of territory over the last couple of weeks. So. And what have you seen uh, crop-wise in your travels? <laughs> I figured that question was coming. Uh, we have been, just so we've been to the Delta two weeks ago, and then in Iowa all last week. Um, you know, it, it's, as you go west, and I'll say that in Iowa in particular, as you go west into western Iowa, west central Iowa, the crops look as good as they've ever looked. And if you ask producers what they have, they will say, yeah, it, we're probably going to be at least equal to last year's yield, if not a little better. And that's both for corn, particularly for corn. Soybeans, I think they're a little more cautious at because they're they're so delayed and so short um, and don't know what you're going to get. But as you get to west central Iowa, they look really, really good. Um, and not unlike the rest of Corn Belt, as you come east in Iowa, um, it looks a little a little more ragged. Uh, but it does, you know, if you compare it to what we've talked about in Ohio, uh, for example, and not to, to beat on Ohio, but, you know, it looks really good. And But it is delayed. Um, as we had a, a very good conversation in central, north central Iowa on a week ago, you know, in talking to these farmers who watch, who are very, very astute about genetics, you know, they said it's not as good a crop as we had last year, and they kind of laid out the whole thing. It said, you know, the crop got in late, so that position, it emerged in a difficult planting short season seed or seed that. Um, doesn't necessarily fit the time period you planted in. You may have planted short season seed, and so everything about this crop, it was a really interesting conversation, you know, it's just, well, you don't know how it's going to yield. I mean, their view was probably a 10, um, 10% yield off what they had last year in that part of the country. Um, so, you know, that's, it's interesting. But I think, I have to tell you, I, I think in the last couple weeks, particularly after being in the Delta and looking at beans down there and and actually seen beans that looked really good, and you got in the field, and they were potted, and they had seeds, you, I'd probably become a little bit more concerned about the bean crop 
and what actually is going to be. And I, I can't tell you that I have a number or a, you know kind of a view as to what that means, but it just it starts to get me thinking, and I have to look at that bean situation uh, a lot closer. I'll just say one quick thing about the Delta, and I, you know, people down there will understand this. As you come south from the Boot Hill, Missouri, into northeast Arkansas, it looks more like Indiana, Ohio. A lot of prevent plant acres. The rice crop got in. They mudded it in. It looks pretty decent, uh, but you do see fields of rice that look pretty anemic, like you would expect corn might look like. Um, a lot of nitrogen leaching. Soybeans and, and cotton, and this is really goes through a lot of the deltas you get farther south. You can't tell whether it's a soybean or cotton crop because it's so far behind. And corn is almost non-existent in that northeast Arkansas. As you head south into Little Rock, south of Little Rock, close deeper in the delta in the northeast Louisiana, things look better as you go down there. Corn looks good down there. Um, cotton and soybeans look better, but they're still very short. And you see, as I said, you know, soybeans potting, uh, and you see, and they'll probably here in another week or so, we'll start to combine corn down through there. But again, a lot of variation in the delta as well, and so that you know has to be a concern. I think about yield for both cotton um, and for and for soybeans down through there. Now we have concerns about dry weather. I know where I'm at here in yeah. West Central into yeah. Central Illinois. We got some rain yesterday, but not near as much as hoped for, and there's not any in the forecast for a while either. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. You know the markets. Obviously, you got that rain yesterday. The market probably saw that and said, oh, everything's okay. I do hear there does seem to be sort of a band through, um, kind of through, that, I'll call it west central Illinois, back into central Illinois that's a little bit dry. Uh, there was some concerns about that in Iowa as well. I can't say that I saw any crop in Iowa that looked stressed from, from too much or from too little rain. They did get some rain this uh, the week before I got there. They got some rain even prior or, you know, since then. And so things do look a little bit there. But, yeah, you're kind of in a spot there. It's a little bit tough that way. Um, the good news, at least, temperatures are not going through the roof. Um, and I think, you know, we've had pretty decent, you know, weather for pollination for the crop, at least across, I'll call this, pretty good. And, you know, we're not back in those 100 degree days. So that helps. All right. So as we... Look at markets. Uh, do you see much uh, movement between now and that August 12th crop report? I don't. Um, I think the market, and we'll talk about corn. I think when we look at the corn price, I'm looking at December corn price, I think it may be on the low side a little bit as to where it should trade fundamentally based on what the market thinks today and what it, you know, what it's trading. So I think it's being fairly traded today. Now, if we see, let's say, a five-bushel decrease in yield, then the market is truly too low and needs to come up to ration, ration demand um, for a lower supply. So I think that's probably a fairness there. I would say from a bean perspective, we're probably trading maybe a tad too high um, in the, on the bean board based on the other day, but I would tell you I would be – there is a body of knowledge, and I, as I say, I'm sort of starting to think about this a lot more, is that bean – Beans may be the you know kind of the sleeper here because we don't know what that bean number looked like. And you look at you look at how short bean plants are, and there's just not that many nodes, so you don't get that many pods. You know that could be the sleeper. We get in the fields this fall and start combining beans, and it's not a 48 bushel yield. Maybe it's maybe it's five, maybe it's 10 bushels lower. I don't know. So, but I think that's one to watch very very carefully. So, I don't think there's a lot of movement aside here um, going into the report. You know, people are really cautious about this because we don't, you know, we'll get a new planted number, we potentially will get a new harvested number, and we may, ver and we'll get a new yield number as well. Uh, so we have a lot of variations here, and I think for, you know, for traders, um, you know, who are maybe on, whether they're long or short, are probably going to go that, I would think, want to go on that report, unless they have a very strong conviction, you know, a little bit on the sidelines thinking, boy, this could hurt either way. Um, so we'll see. We're talking with Steve Nicholson, great and oil seeds analyst for Robo Agrofinance. What about wheat? Uh, we know in some uh, wheat production areas around the world, there are some uh, yeah. challenges that they're going through. How does that impact the wheat market? Yep, and that's the one I think that also could be the. You know, I want to say uh, we'll put the sleeper quote on that as well. You know, we do see it's been it's been well publicized around the world, both France and Germany, 
it, particularly France, has been so, so hot there. Now, the question will be, and I have not seen any yield numbers come out of France, but, you know, in the past, we tend to see, we have tended to see when we get these, these very, very hot temperatures across northern Europe uh, that we see decreases in yield, wheat production there. You know, up until this time, they've been pretty positive about wheat production in, in that part of the world, and so I think that's, that's a concern for them. It's also maybe a, it's a positive for us from an export perspective. It's been very, very dry and very hot in, in Ukraine, or the Black Sea area, let's put it that way, Ukraine specifically. Again, the same concern. If, if Ukraine or if the Black Sea area doesn't have the wheat, then that opens up an export opportunity for us. Now, my only caution on that is, and this is the, this is the frustration, is you know, Ukraine last year, uh, the Black Sea area had a, a smaller crop than they anticipated, but they exported more wheat than they did the year before. They continue to be very aggressive on those wheat exports. And so we have to be careful to think, oh, gosh, well, they're not going to have the wheat, then they're going to do it. They continue to be very aggressive and figure out how they're going to work it out later. So I think that's something to be uh, watching and not get too ahead of yourselves, if that makes sense. It continues to be very dry in eastern Australia. We had a, a, a group of Australians in here yesterday um, and how dry it is. They were excited to see rain. They hadn't seen it so, for so long here. We had some here in St. Louis. And, and so it's very dry there. And so they're not in the export market. They're just trying to fulfill their domestic needs. And they're, bringing, they're literally exporting wheat from western Australia into eastern Australia to, to fill their needs. So there is some wheat opportunities around the world. Again, we got pretty optimistic about it last year, and it didn't materialize. So I guess as we always think about the last year, we get a little cautious. And so that's kind of where my head is right now. But there is probably potential for U.S. wheat producers to find some opportunities on the export side um, over the next over the next crop year here because of these, we'll say, hot spots around the world. Canada has been also a hot spot as well. It's been dry. They have had some rains in the last couple weeks, I understand. So that may help that wheat crop up there be a little bit better than we thought. But again, I think you know the time will tell on that one. So I, I'm a I'm a cautious optimist for wheat. Um, going forward on the export side for U.S. Well, safe travels to you. We'll try to catch you Thank after you. your next uh, <laughs> your next trip. But uh, a lot of people, we're getting that time of year where a lot of people are going to be out uh, taking a look at the crops. We'll get a lot of numbers sure. floating around now, won't we? Yeah, I mean, everyone's going out, whether it's, you know, private companies. Uh, of course, we'll see uh, some of the private forecasters will be out after the report. Uh, people will follow closely. And, and I, you know, and I, as I always tell people, and we had this long discussion in Iowa about USDA on the acreage numbers, USDA whether is what the trade Keep that in mind when you see numbers. But the thing is, is, as these private forecasters come out with their numbers, the market will react to that, good or bad. And so, you know, it may be an opportunity for you on the sell side or on the buy side, if you're a livestock producer, if these numbers come out, you know, bearish or bullish, maybe an opportunity to get some marketing or some buying done uh, on that. But keep in mind, those will be short-lived because the USDA comes out in, in August here with an official number that the trade will take to heart and, and trade off of. All right, Steve. Safe travels. Thank you. Thank you much. Good to talk to you as always. Steve Nicholson, Grain and Oil Seeds Analyst for Rabo AgriFinance. Coming up next, we will preview both the Farm Progress Show and Husker Harvest Days. That's coming up next here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTexts.
Public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private Healthcare is 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready. And health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is $35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section and after dad's back injury. They helped when you were in pain and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Trouble with opioids can start at home with unused medicine. Syrups. You can remove the risk and protect your family. Find out how at www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with an SPF of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, there was a study released recently compared with conventional milk, and the study says and claims that the, the non-organic milk tested positive for pesticides, illegal antibiotics, and growth hormones. When I get reaction to that from the dairy industry, joining us now is the Senior Vice President, Regulatory Affairs for the National Milk Producers Federation, Clay Detlefson. Clay, thank you for joining us. Uh, what do you make of this study? At this point, we don't buy it. We don't believe that the results that have been provided are accurate. They fly in the face of government test results that have been going on for years and years and years, and it's just very unusual that these results could be valid. So we're questioning the methodology and the proficiency of the folks that uh, perform the testing. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain, Do we have any? sleet, and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty, and sadly in 09, it was sparks from me, your handy chains dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, welcome back. We hope to get a hold of Matt Youngman, uh, Director of Shows for Farm Progress, to uh, preview the Farm Progress show coming up a month from now and in Decatur, Illinois, and then in September, Husker Harvest Day, September 10th, 11th, and 12th in Grand Island, Nebraska. I know Matt's traveling, so uh, I'm not sure if we'll catch him in a good cell spot or not, but if not, we will get him tomorrow 
uh, to try to preview those uh, two big shows that are coming up. Meanwhile, let's go over the numbers again uh, from yesterday. USDA reporting 58% of planted corn and 54% of planted soybeans this year are in good or excellent condition. But that compares with 72% of corn and 70% of soybeans at this point last year. So still showing how far behind we are. 61% of this year's cotton crop considered good or excellent. That is up 40 from the 43% at this point in 2018. So uh, good progress there. Planted sorghum also doing significantly better uh, this year than a year ago. So we'll continue to keep a watch on that. We have cooler weather, but a lot of places, I mentioned this earlier, especially I know across Illinois, but some other areas throughout the Midwest too, did not get as much rain yesterday as hoped for. And it looks like now it's going to be a while before we get any more rain and a lot of areas really on the dry side. Now we're watching the trade talks this week with China. I, I mentioned this earlier, going into talks between China and the U.S. The last, over the last uh, several months, there would seem to be high expectations, a lot of anticipation that something might get done, This and then nothing really significant seemed to come out of them. Uh, but this time, when you look at the comments between President Trump and comments coming out of China, they seem to be trying to lower expectations. Maybe that's a good sign. Maybe that will help uh, get more done this time. I don't know. But even the president talking about maybe China is waiting to see the results of our presidential election to see if uh, President Trump is reelected or not. So they are really kind of tamping down the expectations on this week's talks between the U.S. and China. Meanwhile, though, the anticipation, the expectation level seems to be very high for getting something done with China. Japanese economic revitalization minister will be visiting Washington for trade talks later this week, Thursday and Friday. And negotiators are wanting to come up with a uh, uh, kind of a mini deal focused on agriculture and automobiles. I kind of like this approach. We've seen so often in these big uh, overall trade deals, it looks like, you know, agriculture gets caught up in the wash and they can't work out some of the other areas and then agriculture kind of gets hurt in that kind of like that they're focusing a lot on agriculture in this Japanese deal and uh, there is a lot of anticipation and expectation that in the coming weeks or months we may see an agreement uh, at least on ag products and um, we will see if how closely that would get us back to where we would have been right now if uh, we had stayed in the Trans-Pacific Partnership. So we will watch that. Um, Those are the two key trade areas and talks this week. Meanwhile, with the House on recess and the Senate about to go on recess, there'll be a lot of focus on USMCA when they are back home in their districts and see what voters have to say to them about getting USMCA passed. Uh, We're seeing that um, ag groups are putting the hard push on now to get USMCA passed. The administration is certainly putting on the the push. And we're hearing that the House Democrats, many of them that do want to pass it, do want to vote for it, just need some assurances on some key areas like enforcement and things like that. So hopefully that can be addressed. And I think it'll be key. How quickly do they take that up when they come back in September? Uh, will this drag on towards the end of the year? Does it come down sure of a deadline type of thing before uh, anything gets done? That certainly is going to be key. Some other areas to watch. Uh, senators have released a $287 billion surface transportation bill that would uh, make roads and bridges more resilient to extreme weather. And for the first time, we're told the five-year legislation that's being proposed would include a title that would focus on dealing with the effects of climate change and curbing carbon emissions. So that will be a story that we'll be watching as well. So uh, those are kind of, the, you know, it's quieting down a little bit on the news other than the trade issues because um, we have Congress going on their on their recess. But uh, the trade continues to be a big one. And, of course, we're watching the ongoing crop situation and crop conditions and 
pushing on to that August 12th crop report. Uh, promises to be a big one now. We'll see what they say about acres, and of course we're going to start getting projections off of that uh, then for for yield. But uh, it kind of reminds me of the old days when the August 12th, uh, that August crop report uh, was such a big one, and the, uh, the Illinois State Fair, and people just huddled around. They, we didn't have all the means of access and the different uh, uh, media platforms and outlets that we have now back in those days. But, boy, there was so much attention in the several years ago to the August crop report and kind of feels like that all over again as we try to get a better idea on uh, this year's crop. And so many questions, not only on acres, but but production as well. All right, so uh, coming up tomorrow, and we'll try to get uh, Matt Youngman um, Tomorrow, I'll try to catch up with him. I think he's headed actually to Grand Island, Nebraska for Husker Harvest Days, and we'll get a better idea because things are really starting to ramp up now for the Farm Progress Show just a month away, coming up August 27th, 28th, 29th, and Decatur Harvest Days out in Grand Island, Nebraska, coming up September 10th, 11th, and 12th. Two big, big farm shows coming up, and we'll try to preview those tomorrow. And also, um, on USMCA, we're going to try to check in with former Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack. He's pushing hard. He's now President and CEO of the U.S. Dairy Export Council. He's pushing hard for MCA. We'll be hopefully be able to talk with him tomorrow on that as well. So all that coming up tomorrow. In the meantime, with us right here, Adams on. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life. But there simply aren't enough people. Someone in the U.S. needs it, but only about 3% of the population donates. Without more donors, hospitals may not have the blood needed to save lives. That's why the American Red Cross needs people to help restore the A's, B's, and O's that are depleting each day. When you make your appointment to donate blood at Red Cross, you can help give strength to and grandparents who face life and death challenges survivors waiting for critical surgeries your generosity can give someone more life don't wait until the letters a b and o are you are the missing type patients need visit redcrossblood.org forward red cross to make your donation appointment today have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they stores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything, editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, 800 that's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit.